It's time for Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Ken is a nationally syndicated automotive journalist and photographer who has been in and around the industry for over 30 years. So tune in for your fill of automotive information and entertainment with your automotive ringmaster, Ken Chester. Real facts, real opinions, and real talk. Welcome to Roadworthy Drive, America's premier mobility news and technology talk show. I'm your host, Ken Chester. So glad you could join us. As usual, this is going to be another information-packed hour of knowledge that we've researched just for you, so that you could be in the know about the important breakthroughs, events, and technology that's happening with increasing frequency each and every day. The main topic for discussion for this hour is electric cars. From the growing market, infrastructure, and availability of different types, oh my God, different types of electric cars, by the way, put a pin in that. Right, right. To the growing mileage and quicker charging of batteries and so much more. But before we get to the topics on deck for this week, a bit of the contact, standard contact stuff. To add your voice to the conversation, call or text me via the Roadworthy Drive line, that number, 872-222-9793. You can ask a question, respond to a topic, even suggest a story idea. It's all good. If you would rather communicate via email, you can do that too. Send it to me, ken at roadworthydrive.net. Either way connects you to me and the show. As always... With me in studio are the other members of the illustrious and maybe infamous Roadworthy Drive crew. My good friend, resident curmudgeon, and Roadworthy Drive executive producer, Jack DeLeon. Holding things down at mic two is the sweet and sassy, and God help us, opinionated. What? Yes. One of the group, Sasha Little. Howdy, my peoples. Hello. I mean, why do I have to be the opinionated one? You're the why one do that I talks. have to be the curmudgeon? <laughs> People, deal with it. That's what I'm deal asking. Deal with well, it. And I, Sasha, I have to admit. Right. This week, I am the curmudgeon, and I will tell you why. But you deserve it this week. Uh-oh. I mean, of anyone, you uh, deserve you, it. You two need to play nice. Uh, no, no, no. It's got nothing to do with that. It's, no. it's what you and I have been talking about right. yes. all week. Yes. yes. Well... He's been having challenges. I know. He he informed me before, and that's yes. why I said if anyone yes. has the right to be the curmudgeon right now. This week. Yeah, this week. Earned it. And yeah. I'll tell you, I never, ever thought I would admit this. Uh-oh. You're going to admit something. Hold I on, people. I am seriously going to go talk to a few legislators after the week I've had. And ladies and gentlemen out there, it has to deal with an automobile that I own. We'll leave it alone and at I'm that. I'm going to leave it alone at that because if I say any more, I'm going to be in more trouble than I can get myself out of. And he has no bail money. Yeah, And, and the suits have warned us once already. Oh, yes. Mr. Chester, what do we got in the uh, parts bin <laughs> There we go. <laughs> Somebody's stealing my line again. Here we go. Oh, that's right, huh? Here we go. Oh, well. Ken, what's in the parts bin this week? Yeah. How's the weather, by the way? Yeah. Right? It's hot. Yes, hot. it is. Yes. Summertime. Mm-hmm. Summertime. Um, I'm going to skip around. Before I even do that. One thing I want to share, and kind of a PSA within the show. Okay. Um, Mrs. had her car in for service. Okay. Um, and everything went fine. Um, but oh, they, I know where this is going. Yeah. They, they like to, like, fiddle with stuff. So yep. we're leaving um, our, our son and, and, and daughter's house. I'm following the wife home. Right. No taillights. 
Okay. And, um, and it's dark, correct? Yeah, yes. Very night. Very okay. dark. <laughs> very night. Yeah. Her her daytime running lights are on, and that's it. Oh. Come to find out when they were checking her car, of course. they inadvertently shut off uh, the automatic uh, headlight setting. When oh. I get in my truck after I get it serviced with this truck and the last truck, same thing. Let me let me give some advice. Here's something that people need to bear in mind. Now, in fairness to the missus, uh, her daytime running lights are LEDs, mm-hmm. and they're, they're called accent lights, but they throw off a lot of light. Yep. Inside the car, she had her uh, uh, dashboard lit as normal. Yep. So okay. you, w- you wouldn't think that you didn't have lights on because, after all, your dashboard's lit. Well, yeah. Back you- in the old days, if the lights weren't on, you had a dark dashboard. And as you also know this week, I also had a rental because we were getting the truck in the body shop. Well, you here. know what they say about a rental. I know. but D- again, Don't be gentle. It's a rental. But again, same problem. Yeah. Because Leanne was driving it. Mm-hmm. And I'm following her in another vehicle, and I'm, like, calling her up going, dear, your lights are not on. Mm-hmm. I don't see any taillights. So the all I'm saying to folk, if you own a vehicle that's five years old or newer, and, you know, once you've got it set, you know, it doesn't hurt, particularly if you've had it in for service, to check and make sure. Because that could be a danger uh, if someone behind you doesn't see you. Correct. And I will also say this, this has really helped my dad when he has the automatic settings that he Mm. has on his car. Mm. It helps him tremendously because he doesn't have to remember the headlights. Exactly. But by the same token, also these push-button start vehicles, Mm -hmm. when you put it in park, make sure you turn it off. Oh, yes. Because it is very easy. Put it in park. Forget all about it. still running. Especially when you don't have a set of keys with you. And we've talked about people dying and being asphyxiated uh, because they left it in the garage. They thought it was off, and it was still running. Or if it's got one of these uh, uh, start-stop things, Mm -hmm. and maybe it's a hybrid that's got start-stop, they put it in. It's not running. They think that they turned it off. It kicks in um, after a while, starts running, but it's in an enclosed garage. And people die of asphyxiation. Now, this week, we also had another rental vehicle. Okay. This was a week where we had two rental vehicles we were driving. They weren't gentle. One of the No, no be quiet. Mm-hmm. One of them was automatic start-stop. Mm. Oh. And that was, the, that was the weirdest thing I've ever gone through. Yeah. I, I will put it to you this way. I am on record as not liking it. Well, mm-hmm. luckily in this vehicle, there's a little button on the dash that you can shut it off. Yeah. Now, did you have to do that every time you turned on the vehicle? Like, did you have to yes. repress that yes. button? That's the part I hate the most. Oh, you got to remember just... to do that. Well, Otherwise, but, it freaks well, you out. But again, this is why they call them factory settings. Yeah, but... But the problem with that is, is that there is no factory setting. That is... There's no override for that. Correct. If it's got a switch, you're stuck. But then again, you can shut off... Lane change mitigation. Mm. You can shut. You can right now. You can basically shut off everything. Most of it, if you mm-hmm. if you want to. Uh-huh. Okay, but yep. every time you start the car, you have to shut it off again. Not always. Um, there in BMW, you do. There are other models that if you go through the menus, and you either shut off or minimize, it stays that way. Oh, okay. So it's that's not uniform, but it's literally automaker by automaker. Well, thank you for correcting that. So, but. The moral of this story is, people, two things. One, make sure your headlights are on and you can't trust the, your interior lights 
as an indicator that your headlights are on. Like you, like you used to be able to. Right. Two, make sure if you own a vehicle with push-button start and you have a garage, when you get it in the garage, make sure you've actually pressed it, turned it off. And I will tell you something. One of the vehicles we had this week was start-stop. Mm-hmm. And the thing was, I got out and walked all the way in the house. Mm-hmm. Oh. And the vehicle was outside. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I walked in, and all of a sudden, I'm like, did I shut that off? I go back outside, and it's just sitting there purring like a kitten. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But it had it been in your garage. Oh, we didn't have the garage been, been attached to the house. Yeah. Uh, that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's exactly what so you're talking about. So all I'm saying is, people, please be safe out there. Please. Um, what along, else you got? Along those lines, Audi is introducing their first all-electric SUV. Oh. And you can start ordering it next month. Okay. So. Uh, you can go to AudiUSA.com mm-hmm. and configure your new e-tron SUV mm-hmm. and reserve the vehicle with a refundable $1,000 reservation fee. Yeah. Spell it for me. E-tron? E-tron. E-T-R-O-N. E-tron. Okay. Oh, like the, okay. Yeah. Now. I thought, we, I thought the, we'd gone to Tron now. Right? No, That's no, what, no. Yes. I figured you would. And then um, what's the mile, or what's the range on that? You know, they do not say that. Of course not. Uh, they say that it is a fully electric five-passenger SUV uh, aimed at the what heart kind of, of the premium SUV market. What five-passenger? When they sit there and they say a $1,000 refundable deposit, how much is this thing? Right. $2,000. They have not announced prices either, but I'm not surprised. Most automakers don't announce pricing until right before it goes into production. So I'm sure next month we'll know. Okay. Uh, but right now we don't. But uh, they're building a full digital ecosystem around this thing, and it's going to be amazing to see. But think about this. You said premium, you know Audi, so you know it's going to be 40 50 and up. Yeah. And also it's got to have at least a range at least 250 probably higher would be my guess. Otherwise, why would you do it? Right. Yeah, and like I said, because at that point, you're going to just instill more range anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're not going to pay that kind of money for oh. range anxiety. I'm just saying. I wouldn't at any cost. There you go. Small but mighty, the coming tsunami of pure and hybrid electric cars to a showroom near you. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. This is Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthy Drive. Like us on Facebook. Originator of the wide oval tire. Other tires leave a track this wide. Wide oval winter tires bite in with a track nearly two inches wider. Deep, hungry traction bars take hold, clean out for straight ahead traction. It's guaranteed you go through ice, mud, and snow, or we pay the toll. There's only one wide oval. 
Country Wide Oval Winter Tire from Firestone, originator of the Wide Oval Tire. Another first from Firestone. Sasha, I swear we are going to start a pay-per-view service. Right. Now, you know. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> while that commercial was playing, Mr. Chester decided to start dancing and act the commercial out. Why? you got to tell my business. Uh, just... Look, if you want to act that way, i got no choice. <laughs> and you know, because it's Firestone. Yeah. This needs a man. Oh, well, you need no, a no, no, no. <laughs> no. I'm going to tell you that no. That was Goodyear. That's actually. right. Yeah, that's that right. was the only thing missing in that commercial. Welcome back to Roadworthy Drive. I'm Jack. He's Ken. And I'm she Sasha. Is Sasha. I am. But Thank I do have God. a question. Yeah. In that yes. commercial, it yes. says that, or we'll pay the tow. Did they actually pay the tow? If they say it, they had to do it. Okay. There you go. Folks, thanks for tuning in. And as Jack so eloquently said, I'm your dancing host, Ken Chester. <laughs> This hour, we are talking about electric cars. Now, while you might be most familiar with Tesla, there's a growing number of traditional automakers that are currently planning to introduce a number of pure electrics and highly sophisticated hybrids to the American marketplace over the next few years. Question is, what's driving this push towards electric cars and hybrid trucks and SUVs? (laughs) The answer may surprise you. Are you ready for this? Go for it. One word. Well, more than one word, but I'm going to start with one word. Okay. China. Yeah. China is currently the world's largest manufacturer of electric vehicles. They are bigger than the United States, Norway, Europe, and I forget one more country combined. That does not surprise me. Um, What's happening, what people need to realize is there is a... Basically, the perfect storm, tightening fuel economy standards. Now, I know you're going to say, but Ken, didn't we hear that the administration's in the process of capping those standards as of 2020? Yes, but those standards are still stricter than even now. They're not as strict as where we're going for 2025, but they've been actually increasing by two-tenths of a percent every year for the last 12 to 15 years. So that's a thing. Plus, around the world... There is a tightening uh, emissions standards again, but you'll say, but Ken, uh, administration dropped out of the Paris Accords. Doesn't that mean that that's not a bigger deal? Well, folks, let me break this to you gently. China is the largest car market. The United States is the second largest car market. And then within three years, the third largest car market will be India. Between China and India is roughly a fourth of the world's population. And not only that, but they're also the two most polluted countries. Indeed. On the planet with their air quality, correct? That is correct. And the government, more aggressively, China, is moving aggressively uh, in heavy government subsidies and et cetera to encourage both the industries and the consumers to move towards electric vehicles. Now, you'll say, but Ken, that's China. What about the United States? Well, folks, like we've said here, and Sasha would be adamant about, is the fact that it is a global economy, whether you like it or not. Uh, The automakers, whether they be Toyota, whether they be Tata of India, whether they be General Motors, compete on a global scale in hundreds of countries around the world. And when you do that, they're going to look for one – let's face it. There's one standard – 
that everybody will gravitate to. You proved it with the combustible engine. Well, here's the thing. Not so much that they'll gravitate to the standard, but it becomes the de facto standard. If you're going to compete in the largest market, Mm -hmm. you're going to make up your mind whether or not you're going to spend the money. But if that's not your home market, then you're in a quandary. If your home market is going one direction and the largest market to where it's going another, then you're going to spend the money where you do the greatest good and make the most profit. That's in the largest market, particularly if you're already established there. GM and Ford and Toyota and others are already Already established established in China. If you're going to do this thing um, and all of that development technology for electric vehicles is being developed. Now, they can either get with the program and continue to spend money to develop this technology or sit on their laurels and get left behind. And I'll go you one better. Those tariffs? They're penalizing U.S. manufacturers right now trying to sell cars in China, mm-hmm. but it, guess who it favors? Europeans. So yep. for the first time, the Europeans uh, set a record for uh, selling cars in China, exporting cars to China, while our numbers dropped. Yeah, and I also have to wonder what happens with our friends uh, in this town who are shipping parts over there. It's easy if the numbers are going down then it's going to affect their business Yep, and not in a positive way. Now, give you some statistics. In 2017, the Chinese market grew, the electric, the EV market, mm-hmm. grew by 72% from one year to the next. And I need to correct myself. I said, I need to say this, China's EV market is larger than Europe and the United States combined. I okay. misspoke earlier. I want to correct that. Okay, now, uh, my next question is this. Uh-huh. Um, if this market in China is only going to continue to grow, uh-huh. is the government giving the average person money to buy this yes, car? Yes, they are. On average, um, let's see, let me take a look at this, because I got that number, and I'm so glad you asked me, because I did see it. On average, that is roughly about $7,900. Is what they're giving them to buy the electric car. Yes. And how expensive are these cars, or do we know? I don't have the prices here, per se, but let's just say they're comparable. Okay. You know, I would, I would argue comparable in cost. Would you, say, would you say that the government is paying maybe a third of the cost of the car? I'd say a fourth to a third okay. would be reasonable. Okay. Yeah. And there's actually, not only that, but China's actually choosing winners, too. Um, they're pushing the battery electric vehicle. And giving a higher rebate for that than they are the plug-in hybrid. $7,900 for the battery-operated one, only $3,500 for a plug-in hybrid. So if you're thinking, wow. about, if you're thinking about going electric, they're picking winners and losers. Is basically what they're doing, but it's a communist regime. They can do they can things do they want. that we can't do because they can just make it so, and, it's, and it happens. So there's that. And we haven't even begun to talk about hydrogen yet. And Toyota's big bet on hydrogen, that is going to be a thing, which is electrics, but it's hydrogen operating a fuel cell to make that happen. But will it be in China? Uh, China and all over the place. So we'll see. If they built it, they will come. A chicken and egg conversation about electric cars and charging stations. And that's next. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. We are Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthy 
Live.com is the place to keep up with the latest happenings with Ken and the show. By the way, can I have a question? Yes, sir. Did Miss Sasha get a car this week? Uh, no, she did not. Okay, so they finally caught up to us. They uh, did. They did. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Wait a minute. A company with a memo from the suits. Wow. They didn't even bother to talk. They sent a memo. Wow. To the suits? Yes. Okay, that's why I didn't hear from him okay. this week. Yeah, it was, not, it was not pretty. That's okay, let him do his introduction <sighs> first, and then we'll get to you. Fine. Uh, well, it's already spoiled, but hey, mm-hmm. welcome to segment number three of this hour of Roadworthy Drive, and I'm Ken Chester. Uh, Jack's over there at the controls, and Lady Sasha... Is right here. Yeah, Hi, y'all. And, How you doing? Oh, y'all, really? Yes. I'm country. Leave me alone. Uh, never mind. What, I, what no, you got? Jack, what, I got well, nothing. true because she lives out in the country. Thank you. Yeah, but, Thank not, you. but north of here, not south of here. And? So what's your point? Uh, never mind. I can't win. I live out in the sticks. It's called uh, rural Iowa. Yes. I, I can roll Where with we that. we got coyotes and such. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you also had a mountain lion recently. Yes, we did. I'm so glad We named y'all. her Tina. Yes. For those of you who want more than your fair <laughs> share of the road, if you can believe it, check out our website, roadworthydrive.com. Find out information about the Roadworthy Drive crew, audio clips, video of our behind-the-scenes antics. Trust me, you want to see some of this yes, stuff. Yes, you do. Or not, and more. The website is also a great place to find out where we are and what we're doing in the world of social media. If you think Sasha is hilarious <laughs> now, you need to check her out while she's posting on Roadworthy Drive across social media through the week. Yes. Keeping things, my words, light and lively. Uh, between shows with her inspirational and thought-provoking posts. See how Sasha keeps the social in our social media, y'all. Y- y'all. 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 Okay. You almost got that right. I mean, almost. Let it go. You've only been in Iowa for how long? Let it go. I'm just saying. City boy. Go ahead. I don't even believe this. <laughs> Infrastructure. <laughs> Steadily and quietly, a number of companies are building an electric recharging infrastructure to support the coming wave of pure electric vehicles. As we've reported here recently, there's also a smaller but growing infrastructure of hydrogen refueling stations being built as well. And, folks, that's in the United States. I'm not even talking about the rest of the world. Right here in the good old U.S. of A. Question is, is this another Betamax versus VCR war ruin? Right. Or Laserdisc? Oh, my. Hold on. Here's the thing. Everybody has gone to now, at least around here, a universal charging connector yep yeah okay Correct. not so much what am missing i'm gonna tell you hold on you're looking at different levels of charging there's the home charger rated uh, level one or level two okay then there's what they call the uh, high capacity charger which is a level three last time i checked those connections are different now, I think what he's talking about is, for example, right now at one or two Wells Fargo's, there are charging stations for employees that have electric vehicles. Yes, but those, they typically, have to... those are typically the one, level one to level two. And those would be universal. Okay, I want to ask you a question, well, Okay, Ken. well, hold on. Let me kind of okay. get this straight. He's playing tennis now. Right? I, seemingly between you two. Yeah, what the suits don't know, I'm just saying. <laughs> 
Um, we have to give you your you know educational workout. Oh, is that intellectual what you, workout? I got nothing on that. Mm-hmm. What you're really what you're really dealing with is slow, fast, or super fast charging. Correct. Slow charging, basically residential. You plug it into the wall. You have a connector. You plug it into the vehicle. Fast charging would be more or less like companies. Right. Uh, would be a situation. Right. Mm-hmm. And the super fast which is up to 350 uh, watts. Um, but remember, we talked about Porsche and their new car coming out, which will be recharging at 800 watts. Wow. But the connectors, what connects that all that power? That would be depending on the type of charging. Okay. Is the point I'm trying to make here. So high V, it's just for Tesla. Would it work for the like the Leaf? Um, no, originally is the one, and that's folks, that is a local grocery store store company in our state um there they say they will charge anybody's yeah okay and and it really gets down to the type of charger if okay. it's a supercharger either you're set up for it or you're not a lot of these kits have different fittings mm-hmm. for that but typically what they were talking about and this was a mckinney mckinsey and company study okay and they talked about at least in the united states 75 to 80 percent of the chargers in the country Mm -hmm. will be home-based because we have so many single-family dwellings um they would also lay into that the next group would be corporate where companies would set that up a Mm -hmm. wells fargo a high v or something like that right Mm -hmm. and then finally the public chargers, which would be the high-speed chargers, the Tesla superchargers, which are set up at high V. I took a picture a while back yep. of eight of them set up. Yep. Um, and if, you're, if, you could, if your vehicle is set up for fast charging, it will fit those chargers. Now, and don't forget and along, I'm 80, sorry, Sasha, go ahead. along 80 mm-hmm. on the, the, the rest areas, they are now outfitted for the, the Tesla chargers, aren't they? Uh, I have not seen that. And that would probably be ChargePoint, not necessarily Tesla. Are, Charge, go ahead. Are these chargers set up and the connectors set up to prevent somebody from grabbing the wrong cable, let's say, and plugging it into their car and just blowing the thing up? If your car is not set up for high speed or super fast That's charging, you can't. Absolutely, you can't. You can't. Okay. So it's and, like putting like a European plug into an American or so- yeah, it won't into fit. An American you socket. can't make that happen. Got it. Okay. Okay. And, and, but that the, makes sense. So, but we're clear. It's depending on the level of charging, whether it's a level one, level, level two, two, or, or level, level three. three. That's the key. Okay. Most of your American chargers set for home use will be level one trickle charge, like eight to twelve hours. Okay. Um, obviously, the faster the charge, the more elaborate the connection. And not every vehicle is set up to recharge at a fast charge. Okay. As the somebody, newer ones are. The older ones, not so much. As somebody who has done construction. Yes, sir. It has now gotten to the point where if we're redoing a house or, we are re, or we're building a new one, mm-hmm. we put in a 200-amp service no, right. matter, no matter what. Yep. That way, a lot of the, this stuff is taken care of. Yep. But now if we're going to start buying our cars, and they're going to be... 300 watt, 400 watt, 800 watt. Let me stop you. You're not going to have a super fast charger at home. Yeah, no. That is a no-go. That's not going to happen. Are you Those, sure? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. They're public chargers. Okay. The most you're going to see at home is 25 watts, t- 25 kilowatts. Mm-hmm. The fast chargers or the public chargers where you need fast recharging time starts at 350. 
Okay. Now, here's the difference, and I think this will bring some daylight here. Okay. Your, average, your average house charger costs you about $1,000. Mm. Company charger that you might see at a corporate, 25 mm-hmm. These fast chargers at 350 and above, anywhere from 125 to over $200,000. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. You ain't putting one of them in your house. Now, just saying. If you were a trucking industry and you were going electric, would you necessarily put in? That's one of those? a whole different animal. Yeah, that's I was a whole. Just curious. Di- that's a whole different animal, and I don't have that information here, so I really can't get into it. But it's worthy of maybe looking into at a later time. Imagine that. So finally, where do we go from here? More miles, cheaper batteries, and the challenges in eliminating range anxiety. Stay tuned. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. You're listening to Roadworthy Drive. This is Roadworthy Drive. You're tuned to Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. Thank you for joining us. The main topic this hour has been electric cars, the coming tsunami of models, the challenges and growth of infrastructure, both charging and hydrogen. For the last part of this hour, I'm going to talk about the resources and the impact on the electrical grid, which, surprisingly, not as much as you might expect, not to mention a whole new avenue of looking at electricity, renewables, the whole bit. That electric cars could turn this whole thing on its ear, believe it or not. I'm having trouble believing that. Right. Well, let me give an example. Okay. Um, there was a, uh, a project done in San Francisco. We reported on it. 100 BMW uh, i3 electric vehicles worked with the power company. The power company used those vehicles as demand smoothing uh, in those times where they weren't charged, but they were, the vehicles were charged. But there was high demand in in the system, mm-hmm. so they pulled electricity out of the storage systems of these vehicles to meet the demand, and then MP, at times of low demand, recharge them. Okay. Here's another thing: they've done analysis and algorithms that actually, under certain circumstances, draining the battery in a certain way actually prolongs battery life and reduces degradation. Hmm. These are facts. And here's something still else. Um, Electric vehicles uh, under a slow trickle charge doesn't really pull that much uh, out of the system. That it's kind of a lockstep thing. There's a period where uh, if there's a bunch of vehicles coming online at the same time, there may be a draw. But once they get online, it evens out. Here's something else to think about. With electric vehicles as part of the grid, if you have a concentration of them, they could be very well the difference if you've got renewable energy in your city or where you live uh, in storage. Because when these batteries are no longer suitable for cars, they're using them to store energy. No. And I'm going to go you one further. If you can go that far and maybe you build a solar farm, a wind farm to capture renewable energy together. Right. Mm -hmm. And you have... These former car batteries doing the energy storage, 
Why do you need to be plugged into the grid at all? Build your own grid in your own neighborhood. And use the vehicles, if you have a concentration of these vehicles in your neighborhood, to be your, your uh, demand smoothing when you need that burst, say, in the morning, uh, and they recharge at night. So can, your vehicle, Can I make a counterpoint here? Come on with it. How many cars in the United States right now? 250 million. Okay. 250 million cars. Retail. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cars, just, trucks, SUVs, I'm just, just going to say, let's just use that number, 250 million. Mm-hmm. They're all electric. Okay. Something happens somewhere to the grid. Oh, I, I got this question. Hold on. Hold on. Something happens to the grid. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, one right after the other goes out. Mm-hmm. Just like dominoes falling. Can I answer this one? Okay. Can I now, I don't know whether or not, Sasha. Let him, let him ask the question, Sasha. Then you can answer it. Mm-hmm. To me, all this is going to do is put more stress on a system that everybody knows has not been upgraded since it was built. And number two. You're talking about the power grid. I'm talking grid. about the power grid. Got it. Okay. Okay. It takes very little to cause a whole lot of people not to have power really, really fast. You're up somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay you want to handle this? I do. I do. Go, go okay. for it. So let's see how close you get. Okay. So in an environment where the power grid fails, you realize that your pumps to get the gasoline are rendered inoperable. Yeah. Okay. So it's literally the exact same thing. I mean, you can go around siphoning. That's perfectly logical. But as far as like, and here's the other thing with electric vehicles, I can go to a solar farm. I can go to a wind, like all of these windmills that are all over Iowa. I'm able to get that energy from there. Mm. I mean, you'd have to get somebody who's kind of an engineer, obviously. You would have to have a charging station. But theoretically, if there was a charging station on site, yes. Okay. But let me, let me, take, this, let me take this a little further. Yeah, yeah hold on. Okay. Hold on. Let, me, yeah, take, take a, let take, me take this a little further. Take it away. Number one. All of that doesn't address the other twin technology that's happening at the same time as self-driving vehicles, which is going to impact the number of vehicles even out there, number well, one. And that's going to reduce the number of vehicles. Number two, um, you still have those situations in a de- uh, decentralized example that I talked about earlier where it may not necessarily be connected to the grid, which may be, in Sasha's case, a community or a small community that is totally connected to renewable energy. In fact, the utility in our city has already said by 2021 they will be 100% renewable. Well, and I think the question isn't so much if you had 250 million electric cars, because when you have electric cars, which is going to coincide and piggyback on top of self-driving vehicles, you're not going to have 250 million cars. Exactly. But the actual point that he's trying to make is if the power, let's say an EMP, let's whatever, if something like that happens and the power grid absolutely fails universally Mm. with an electric vehicle, you have options with a gasoline vehicle. You are stuck like Chuck. Uh, I'll go you one more. In the case of one of those electrical mechanical yep. devices, yeah, you're, fry, fry your internal combustion engine, too. It's yep. all computer generated. It's done. It's done, too. It ain't going nowhere. And here's something else. While in the perfect world ideal, 250, you would go all electric, that will never happen. You will never go that many. Why? 
You've got some vehicles that are still special purpose. This is going to take years. They're only estimating, even under the most, um, what's the word I want, aggressive numbers, Mm. that in the next 15 years, you may be looking at 30%. Now, again, take that at the same time at the increase lockstep with autonomous vehicles, and you're going to see some interesting things. Remember, the big thing that this study didn't address and that didn't get addressed here is all the other technology that's happening at the same time, Uh, the increasing um, battery capacity. Um, They're looking at doing away with cobalt and lithium entirely, including the guy who invented the lithium-ion battery, is working on a battery that doesn't use either. And they said, at least in his testing, that he gets double the charge out of his battery, meaning that if you've got a battery like that using cobalt lithium ion and you've got, say, a range of 200 miles, that with his battery, you get 400 miles. That would almost overnight eliminate range anxiety. Plus, we talked about a group of Germans about over a year ago that had developed something that was going to get 650 miles out of one charge. So there you have it. As usual, the end of the hour is not the end of the topic. Be sure to stay tuned as we will continue to keep you abreast of what's going on. Real facts, real opinion, real talk. This has been Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.